0: The church of Jesus Christ around the world is growing and expanding. We get discouraged here in this country because we see many, many people leaving the church and we see people online who are deconstruction, deconstructing and leaving Christianity and we get so discouraged. But did you know that we are in the middle of a worldwide revival right now? That more people have come to faith in Christ in the last hundred years than at any other time. God is on the move through the gospel. And with that expansion of the kingdom of God, there is also a counterattack from our enemy. And more people have been martyred for their faith in Jesus in the last hundred years than any other time in the history of the church. And today is one day in the year when we set aside prayer for the persecuted church because they would say, pray for us, because our suffering is bringing about the preaching of the gospel and the proclamation of Christ, and we are seeing people come to faith, but pray for us. You know, we uh, have been able to plant many, many churches in a part of India called the Manipur State of India, and our movement leader there is Ken Tombing, and Ken sent us an email recently, he shared that one of their pastors has been jailed for his proclamation of the gospel. There's a growing persecution against the church in India and even in Manipur State that they haven't experienced until recently. So we're going to pray for Ken, we're going to pray for our church in India, and we're going to pray for the church around the world. Will you join me in prayer? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we need the grace of your Holy Spirit to be able to hold on to Jesus in the days in which we live. And Jesus, we are so thankful. We're blown away at what the gospel means for us. And that the gospel offers forgiveness of sin and new righteousness, a new status The adoption to sonship, the transformation of our lives and the hope of eternal life with you. Lord, the gospel is advancing and the kingdom of God is expanding throughout the earth just as you promised it would. And yet, Father, our brothers and sisters in many parts of the world suffer for their faith in you. And so I pray, Father, that you would strengthen by your Holy Spirit your church. We pray for your church in India. We pray for this pastor that we've partnered with in the planting of a church who's been arrested. We pray for his release. We pray for you to provide for his family. And Lord, we pray that his faithfulness wouldn't waver as your faithfulness does not waver. That you would be merciful and kind toward him and toward his persecutors. We pray for them to repent and believe the gospel and to join with the one they're persecuting in worship one day soon. Lord, I pray that as we open your word this morning, you'd help us. Help me as I teach. Help us as we hear. Help us as we come to the supper to be strengthened for this life of worship that you've invited us to. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage that we are going to look at this morning is Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And recently, um, the Wall Street Journal had an article that the headline said Close to 40% of U.S. households say they face financial difficulties as the COVID 19 pandemic continues. Is that you? in the article it gives a few more uh, percentages here it says close to 20 percent of those polled said their financial situation is better now than before the covid 19 outbreak 32 percent said their situation was worse and about half 49 percent, said that it had stayed about the same now i don't know where you are in those percentages But listen, if you had a friend who came to you and asked for wisdom, asked for advice, what would you tell them? Listen, you might go to the scriptures and you might go to a verse on prayer. You might say, well, listen, just pray. Pray for your finances. And there's about 500 verses in the Bible that speak to prayer. Or you might say to them, well, you just have to have faith. Well, there's a little under 500 verses in the Bible that speak about faith. But did you know that there are 2,350 passages in the Bible that speak to the stewardship of our money and our possessions? And that Jesus Christ, Jesus spoke to the questions of financial stewardship of money and possessions many, many, many times in the Gospels. In fact, what we do with our stuff is one of the most important questions that we need to answer from the Bible as we seek to build people up in their faith in Christ. Listen, grab your study and turn to the second page of the study where our disciple-making map is found. And in that, you'll see that some of the areas where we want to build believers, one of them is this question of money. And we want to learn from Scripture what Jesus says about money. What would Jesus have me give? Now, it's more than just giving because Jesus Jesus is teaching on money and possessions really could be summarized under three things. He, he tells us that we should earn all we can, and we should save all we can, and we should give all we can. We should do all three simultaneously in the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit. It's all three. Now, listen, if you've been coming to Good News all year, and you say, I knew it. I knew it was just a matter of time before they started talking about money. Well, you just listen. Give me the benefit of the doubt and just bear with me through this message because I want you to know what the Bible teaches. So let's walk through Proverbs chapter 3 together, just the first 12 verses, and let's see what a wise life looks like. Because the book of Proverbs is going to tell us what a wise life looks like. That the main message of Proverbs is that all of life is to be lived to the glory of the sovereign creator and that there is a moral order to all of creation and violations of that order only lead to adverse consequences. That's the message of Proverbs. And that's the message Uh, of the wise life. But it's more than just a message. It's a picture of a person. You know his name? Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate wise one. Jesus is wisdom incarnate. And so listen, when you read through the book of Proverbs, you're getting to know Jesus. And when we read through these verses this morning, we're going to get to know Jesus A little bit better. So Proverbs 3 verse 1 says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. This is so important. I want you to hear me. We do not obey in financial stewardship or in any other area Of the Christian life. We do not obey in order to become sons of God. We obey because we are sons and daughters of God. And we have that by grace through faith in Christ. And because we are a son or a daughter, then we get to obey in being biblical, financial stewards, good stewards, from the heart. Let your heart keep my commandments. See, the Christian life is not about externals. It's not about external obedience. It's about a a change in the heart. It's about a change in our affections. It's about a change in our devotions. It's about a change in our worship. That something so great, so glorious, so amazing has become true in our life. His name is Jesus, and he has become so real to us that all of life is lived in joyful response to God as he has revealed himself in creation and in his word and in Jesus Christ. And that includes our stuff. That includes our money. But it's because something greater than our our stuff has gotten hold of our hearts. So we want to worship him. Giving is an act of worship. Not for sonship, but from sonship. And not by external obedience, but obedience from the heart. Verse 2, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Listen, some of y'all are healthier than others. Some of you are going to live longer than others. Some of you are more or less concerned about that. Okay? Now, I don't know what you would consider to be a long life. I know that I've already lived longer in my life than both of my parents, so I feel like I'm playing with house money. I feel pretty good about the length of my days. Others think, I'm just getting started. They say, oh, Dave, you're so young. Thank you. But do you know what God has actually given us? Listen, it's not about whether we count our lives in years or decades or whether our years have accumulated to the point where we're in our 30s or our 40s or our 50s. It's not even about if you've reached those great gray years of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And listen, maybe you're in your 90s. Maybe you know some people who are even older than that. They've reached that great accomplishment of extending their life here on earth to the hundreds. But do you know the kind of life that you actually have in Jesus? God's Word says you have, in Jesus, eternal life. And so no matter how many years you live on this earth, whether it's in the 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or even the 100s, if you have the eternal kind of life that Jesus came to give you, you are living now and you will live forever with the one who loves you so that when you die, you'll change location, but not companion. There was a man, his name was Enoch, and the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. One of my heroes, Steve Brown, put it this way, Enoch went for a walk with God, and one day God said to Enoch, you know Enoch, we're closer to my house than we are to yours. Why don't you come home with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. However you're measuring your length of days, if you feel good about the length of your life or you're terrified by the length of your life, Jesus invites you to live an eternal kind of life with him. That's what he's offering you. Now, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, if you've read through the Bible multiple times, you know that that is a very clear reference to an experience and a command that Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, had been given in Deuteronomy 6. God told them that they were to write and bind the Word of God on their lives and on their homes. But you know, later on, after the book of Proverbs, there was another promise that was given that not only would the word of God be written on the doorpost of homes, but the word of God could be written on the human heart. In Jeremiah chapter 31, we read this. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the first of them, least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. We're living in the age of grace. We're living in the time of the sending of the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of God is at work in the world, drawing men and women and children from every tribe and tongue and people and nation to Christ. We're living in the time when our sins can be forgiven, not in part, but all of them, past, present, and future, because of what Jesus has done. We are living in a time when the Holy Spirit has been sent from the Father and the Son to dwell in our hearts and to take the promises of God and to form in our lives the character and the qualities of Jesus. Those are the days we're living in, the time of the new covenant, and it's going to go on until the time when Jesus comes again. And then, We'll have no need for anything but our eyes to see the beauty and glory of Jesus. We'll see wisdom incarnate. So you will find favor, verse 4, and good repute in the sight of God and man. You want to have a good reputation? Do you want to have the characteristic of a beautiful life before God and before others? Do you want to be viewed as the kind of person that people honor and respect and look up to? The most, the greatest guarantee that you're a person of character and reputation is the character and reputation you receive by grace through faith in Jesus. You will find favor and good repute. That's a picture of the gospel that God looks at us. And when he looks at you, if you're in Christ, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus. In the sight of both God and man. Now that is a picture of Jesus. Write down Luke 2.52 and look it up this week. That's a picture of Jesus, what he's like. And it's also a picture of his church. In Acts chapter 2, the body of Christ, filled with the Spirit, begins to manifest the life of Jesus. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They were generous. They worshiped God through their giving. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, they were taking their meals together, uh, breaking bread from house to house. They were (laughs) taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. How was it happening? By grace, through faith in Jesus. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. How does this get into us? How do we begin to grow? in this is it by working our heads off to try to please god or is it through faith it's through faith it's trusting in the lord with all your heart and not leaning on your own understanding you see you won't drift your way into a life captured by the love of jesus you won't drift your way into an awareness of God's greatness and glory. But by trusting, not in your own understanding, but in the gospel, you will see more and more on every page of this book, the greatness and glory of Jesus. And when he captures your heart, then you will begin to experience verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, that word acknowledge, the Bible, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew word for acknowledge is the word yada, which means to know. The NIV translates that to submit, in all your ways submit to the Lord. Um, the Christian Standard Bible says, think. Think about God in every area of your life. You want to know God? The Bible says it's possible for us to know Him. And as we get to know Him, and we take a sharpie, and we draw a black line between every area of our life and Jesus, then He will straighten our paths. Now, religion says that it's up to man to straighten up his life, and then he'll get to know God. And Christianity says, no, it's up to God to move into our lives. And as we come to know him, as he's revealed himself in creation and in the Bible and in Jesus, he'll straighten our path. That every single one of us have a crooked heart, but that as we point our lives towards Jesus, he does the work of straightening us out. Religion is just the opposite. It says, try harder, work your head off to try and make yourself straight. Then God will accept you. The gospel is just the opposite. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And nothing, nothing could be more opposite from our culture. Our culture says, be wise in your own eyes and do anything you want. And the Bible says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Turn from evil. Turn from the, the sinful desires of your heart and put your trust in the Lord. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Psalm 32 says that when I kept silent about my sin, my body was wasting away. Do you know Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ hung on a cross, and his body was wasted, and he did it for you. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and in your place, he suffered and bled and died on a cross. And that's what's pictured at this table that we'll have a chance to eat later on this morning. The healing for our bodies, the refreshment for our bones came because Jesus was willing to be crushed and Jesus was willing to be thirsty so that we could become refreshed. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now up in verse seven, we saw the word fear," and that means to revere, to make much of God and His greatness. Here, in verse nine, we see the word honor. And the word honor is the word kavad, which means weight. So, in other words, show the weightiness, the glory, the awesomeness, the splendor, the holiness of God. How? In what you do with your stuff. What stuff? Well, two kinds of stuff from your wealth, which is the Hebrew word han, which means enough. How much is enough? Huh? <laughs> I talk to so many people, and they say, well, just a little bit more would be enough. In fact, that's the way of the sinful human heart. Just a little bit more, and then I'll have enough. Just a few more hours at work. Just another another shift. Just a, just a few more thousand dollars. Another sale. Then I'll have enough. Hmm. Will you? Only to the degree that God has become your Han. Will you ever be able to do anything with the Han he chooses to provide to you? If God is your enoughness, then giving out of your wealth, out of the accumulated savings and resources that he's enabled you to steward will be easy. But until your heart is captured by the love of your Han God. You're always going to be working your head off to try and get just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, and you'll sacrifice your health and your family in order to get it. And all the while, God in the gospel is saying, I've given you enough. Worship me. Honor me. Show the world my weightiness. Now, it's not only our hun, our enoughness, it's also our firsts. And that Hebrew word can mean not only our first, but also our best. So, as you receive from the Lord, give him your best. Give him your best, your first, your best. Prove that he is enough. How do we get there? See, the only way that you and I will ever get there is if we believe the gospel, if we believe that Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to provide for our eternal life. The only way That I'll ever honor the Lord from my wealth and from the first of all I produce is if my heart is captured by the love of Christ and the gospel. And the gospel has bad news. The bad news of the gospel is that none of us have honored God. For even though they knew God, They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. See, the bad news is that none of us have lived up to the standard of righteousness, which is to honor God, to worship him, to make much of him, to show his greatness and glory in the way we live. None of us have done it because all of us have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. But you know what God did? So, the good news of the gospel is this Jesus Christ took on our humanity. Being fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ took on our hum- humanity. And do you know the grace? of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Not in earthly treasures, but in an eternal life. See, Jesus gave up his wealth. And when we see him giving up his wealth for us, then we'll become suddenly Lavishly generous with our wealth. And not only that, Jesus became our first and our best. Jesus Christ went to the cross, and on the cross he suffered the full penalty that our sins deserve, and he died. And Then he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he was the first fruit. He was the first, but he won't be the last. And when I see Jesus crucified, dead, buried, and risen for me, then I can't help but begin to let go of my stuff. Because I'm blown away at the generosity of my God that He would give His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, how does that get into my life? By repenting and believing the gospel. And both of those are in Proverbs 3. Verse 7 says, Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You see, all of us come into this life headed away from God. And when the gospel comes to us, it offers us forgiveness and eternal life, but it says you have to turn and move toward God. Turn away from evil and trust. They always go together. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You say, this gospel is too good to be true. I can't believe it. It's too easy. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. You say, well, I've trusted in the Lord. Have you? Listen, if you haven't trusted in the Lord, won't you? And if you are a Christian, you are a follower of Christ, then will you let The greatness of the gospel continue to soak down into your heart so that you keep on repenting and keep on trusting in the Lord. Keep on trusting in him with all your heart. How can you tell if you're doing it? One of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways is you'll begin to be hilariously generous. Now, this is what I want for you this week is I want you to worship God through your giving. So every one of you needs to have a budget committee meeting in your home. Now, you may be one by yourself, and it may be one with a spouse, but every single one of you needs to have a budget committee meeting this week. And I just want you to ask yourself a few questions. And and listen, my heart is open before the Lord on these questions too. (laughs) I'm asking the Father to give me repentance and trust in the Lord too. So, listen, ask yourself this question. Does my current giving reflect a heart of worship? Does my current giving reflect a heart of worship? Ask yourself this question. Listen, What is our current wealth? Listen, take stock of your life. What are the gifts and talents and abilities? And what are the financial resources that God has provided for you? Make a list and then say, thank you, God. Thank you for all that you've chosen to entrust to me. And then next to each resource, find at least one way that you can be generous with it now here's a question to answer in your budget committee meeting because we want to worship god with our giving ask yourself what is my heart looking to for the ongoing provision that me and my family needs what is my heart looking to is my enoughness really in god or am i just looking for a little bit more And then here's one more. What is God currently doing to provide for you? And how are you sharing that with others? What is God currently doing to provide for you? And how are you sharing that with others? So those are hard questions. Yes. But you know, the gospel is enough to help us. We have two more verses. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Listen, at the end of your budget committee meeting, remind yourselves. Remind yourselves of the delight that the father takes in you. Thank Jesus. Jesus, thank you that through your life and death and resurrection, the Father now looks at me with delight. I don't deserve it, but I have it. I have your delight. And you see me as a son. A son whom he loves. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray, I pray that the gospel, the good news of what you have done for us would penetrate hearts. And Jesus, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit now. And in every heart gathered here watching online, you would be sinking the gospel down. And for some, Holy Spirit, as you come, you're going to invite them to turn from sin and trust in Christ. And if that's you this morning, then won't you simply say to Jesus now, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways, and I am sorry I've only sinned against you. I'm in big trouble. But Jesus, I believe that you lived and died and rose again. Jesus, come into my life. I turn from my evil ways and I trust in you as my Savior. And I receive you as Lord. As long <laughs> As many days as you choose to give me, I'll follow you if you will help me become the person you want me to be. Father, for all of us who have been following Jesus, we want to go on believing and keep on receiving all that you would choose to give to us. And as an overflow of hearts set free by the gospel, we would generously, hilariously share with one another and with you from our wealth and our firsts and our bests. Because we're thankful. We pray in your name, Jesus.